All right, I'm going to go ahead and start so I don't take any more of uh, Brother, Brother Smith's time here. Um, raise your hand if you got my very long email today. Okay, so about half of you. Um, basically, all the announcements that I'm about to do have to do with that email, if you'll read it. Vacation just kind of like knocked me out of my rhythm on the, on the pastoral perspective, so I'm trying to get back on top of that um, so everybody knows kind of where we are and what's going on. Um, I'm going to flip to, we're having a youth and children's ministry meeting on Sunday, August the 20th, and uh, that's going to be kind of be like an open forum uh, for parents and grandparents to make suggestions, express concerns, discuss the future of our ministries here. Uh, there will be a meal provided, and there will be child care. So if you want to come to that, you've got children that you want to, uh, cared for, uh, let, let us know at the office as soon as possible so we can get food ordered for you. I don't know. That'll be immediately after worship. I think that's right. Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know how long it'll be. Uh, we just we probably will just stay there and just talk and discuss things until we get finished. Um, also, there's a back to school family night. We, we've been doing events like out here on on the side of the church with bouncy houses and stuff. This year, we wanted to try something a little different, um, and that's the uh, that'll be at Stars and Strikes. Is that right? Did I say that right? Stars and Strikes. Okay. Uh, that'll be on August the twenty seventh from 5 to 8 p.m. Uh, the cost is $15 per person or $35 for a group of five. And when we say that, that means family members, right? So five of y'all can't get together and say, hey, we're 30, you understand what I'm saying? Okay. So you're bad, you're, you're Christians, we're supposed to be able to trust you to be honest about that, okay? Um, you get bowling, laser tag, uh, pizza, and a drink. And we're not gonna have, we won't have the entire place to ourselves. There'll be other people there. Uh, so when you come, wear like a Parkway Baptist t-shirt so we can like invite people to church and kind of maybe be take some of these practices that Brother Smith's been helping us with and apply that that night because we're going to be um, uh, part of this is going to transition to going out into the community. Uh, um, I think not this Sunday, but next. Is that right? Next Sunday. Uh, so one of those Sunday nights will actually be at Stars and Strikes. Now, there may be a group of people that don't go to Stars and Strikes that, that want to go into the community, and that's fine. We'll organize that between now and then, but just so you know. Uh, softball team. How many people we got signed up for softball team? Can I get a witness? One, two. Okay. So what's wrong with all y'all? What's the problem? Oh, whatever. Don't give me that. Don't give me that. Anyway, I think so far we have about 12 people uh, signed up, and women, women can play. Two, two women can play per game. And, again, this is Smyrna rules. We did not make the rules. I think it's the city of Smyrna made the rules, so we're just following the city of Smyrna rules. So if you've got hate, pass it on to them. Amen? That was humor. Y'all are not with me. I'm going to have to st step it up a notch here. Uh, our sessions here are kicked back, again, kicked back up tonight, and we will have uh, Shelby with us through the end of the month on Wednesday nights, and then we will shift back to one large group session here with adults in September. And we're going we're gonna to continue the outreach on Sunday nights, depending on how the response is to that when we start that uh, here in a couple weeks. Uh, Deacon nominations. Is everyone listening? Raise your hand if you're listening. Brian, you're listening. Jenny, are you listening? Too, too tired to raise your arm up. Okay. The ballots are on a table in the foyer in that corner. Okay. So all you have to do when you get up and walk out of the sanctuary is do what? Walk to the left, and the ballots are right over there on the table. You don't have to fill them out and put them in the ballot box right then. 
you can take them home, think about it. You've got a couple of weeks to put your selections uh, on, that, on that piece of paper, okay? So just remember the ballots are out there. We really need you to prayerfully consider uh, five qualified men to serve on our deacon ministry next year. That is a critical, critical part of uh, Baptist, Baptist uh, churches, okay? The ministry pillars and team ministries, your assembly time, your church care, and then your missions. And I can't read that one over there. What is it? I forget. Discipleship. How, why would the pastor forget the discipleship pillar? It's just, it's stage fright. That's all it is. Um, remember, we will be recruiting for that. Now, now, Carol made up a really cool thing for us today that we're going to email out. And uh, we're going to email it out. And all you have to do is click a link, and it takes you into this form. And it gives you just a brief one-sentence explanation of what all these teams have. So what we need you to do is we need you to go out there and click which ones you want to do, and then put your name on it, then we'll receive it, and then we can kind of we can kind of build our teams through that. I thought that may be easier than making you sign up a sign up on a sheet because those just don't work too well most of the time. All right, and then last but not least, before I turn it over to him, we need we have a family in our church that is in a severe crisis right now, okay? Uh, it is the crisis that is not, that is not their fault. Um, I know all about it. A couple of other leaders know all about it. Um, but, but we're going to do a love offering. I've got the authority uh, in Article 6, Section 4, under special offerings. I've got the authority, and I love authority. Amen? Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I, I use it very sparingly. Uh, so I've got the authority to authorize a special love offering to be taken up for this family. So as you give over the next several days, if you're led to, if it's cash, be sure to put it in an envelope and put, uh, just put special, uh, special family offering on the, on the envelope and put that in the plate. And then if you do a check, write the same thing on the check, and that way we can separate it out and, and uh, help, help this family. Okay? I believe that is it. Anything else before I step away? And let Shelby have the floor. <laughs> so weird to say his name all the time. Anything else? Okay, Shelby Smith. Yeah, welcome Shelby back tonight. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, Shelby one, Shelby two. How's that sound? <laughs> That'll work. How about Shelby SS? Super sport. Yeah, all right. Shelby Smith. Yes, all right. Hey, it's good to see y'all. I'm glad to be here. Um, let me just, just start with a word of prayer. And you know the Holy Spirit is here. He's in you. He's around you. He's already ready to work through you. And we just need to be aware of him and be better connected to him. Amen? And his word is a lamp to our feet. It helps us know how to walk it. And so let's pray. Father, we love you. We know that you give us so much more than we deserve. Your loving kindness, your mercies are new every morning. And Lord Jesus, you're gentle, you're humble, your yoke is easy, your burden is light. And we'll find rest for our souls when we walk with you. Please forgive us for being so busy with so many things sometimes that we just don't take time to abide in you. Be still. Know that you're God. Lord, I thank you for each one that is here tonight. I thank you for your spirit in me. And Lord, to realize that we are all the chief of sinners, least of the saints. But God, you've chosen to use us. Your grace is sufficient to work through the brokenness of our lives to shine the light on your mercy and your grace. So, Lord, just I pray that you'll be with the words we'll speak, the words we'll hear. May you be the light among us in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. amen. Well, it's been a couple of weeks. I got to Destin. Hope y'all got somewhere. And I was with a bunch of grandkids, so that was not a time of rest. 
I survived it. I'm back. And it was so good to be still in my house today. So quiet. I had a vacation from my vacation. Um, tonight you have uh, going fishing with Jesus. We're really going to focus on now the skills sets that you need to witness. Tonight we're going to be looking at the fact that witnessing is a process. Follow me, I'll make you to become fishers of men. Even that is a process. Doesn't God work in your life like a process? You're always learning something. Do y'all ever go take two steps back? Oh yes, oh no, amen. And so it's going forward, going backwards, going forwards, going backwards. And the same is true in witnessing. Sometimes you think you're making great progress and sometimes you just realize that, well, they took a step backwards too. And it's just trusting the Lord. But it's a process. We're going to look at a learning process, strategic process. It's an empowered process. It's a motivated process. We're going to look at that. But I want to begin tonight with something that happened to me when I began in a new way to see the reality of Jesus. Uh, in high school, I graduated in 1974. A church asked me to be their music director. I told them I'd never been one before. They said, that's okay. We've never had one before. So we made a good match. I majored in music in the early days of college, and, and so that kind of fit. And I remember that part of the thing I learned coming up was you tithe. I cut grass as a kid, and my dad told me, make sure you tithe, and I did from the very beginning. My tithe was $10 a week back time. It, it's kind of amazing how you can make $100 a week and pay the bills that I had, but I did. And so one Sunday morning as I was walking up the stairs to this little church that I was now leading music in, I realized I had $10. I needed it for gas to go to Sanford University back and forth with the gas. And so I said, Lord, I'll double up next Sunday. Didn't think a thing about it. Went through the week, put my $10 of gas in. The next Sunday I came and I thought, uh-oh, I owe 20 bucks to God. You know, I mean, along those lines. I looked at my billfold. I had $20 in my billfold and it hit me. I need gas again. Plus, I got to buy a $10 book. And without thinking, I said, Lord, I'll triple up next Sunday. And then the thought came to me, Shelby, didn't you tell God last week that you would give it this week? And I was like, yeah, but he understands. But didn't you tell him that? And then as I went in to sit down during Sunday school, as I normally did in that church, to look for the hymn numbers and all of that, that's kind of we did how I did things at that point. Laurie, don't get upset about that. Or music people, you know, but that's just what I did. I remember sitting there thinking, well, maybe I wasn't talking to God last week. And then the thought came to me, so who you been talking to all this time? Then I thought, well, you know, surely God doesn't expect you to do what you can't do. But didn't you tell God that you were going to do that? I wrestled with that all the way through Sunday school. And finally, I couldn't even find the hymns. You know, I, I finally decided, okay, I put the $20 in the offering plate. I lived at the river. I don't have time to go to, I don't have gas to go to college. I'll go water skiing with my friends all week. That's just what I had in my mind because I didn't see any way out of that. And I said, and then all during the service, I remember leading music thinking, this is great, I'm gonna go water skiing. I don't want, want college anyway. I never did sign up for that stuff. I'm doing it because I'm trying to be who God wants me to be, you know? And so Lord, if you don't want me to go to college, that, I'm perfectly good with that. And I remember just having that thought and, and the service was over. I usually talk to people as the last one out and as the lights were out, I came up here to get my, Hymn book and, and Bible, and started back, and halfway out, a lady came and met me right in the middle of the church. 
sweet, dear, precious lady owned a little country store up the road, and she looked at me. She said, last week, the Lord put something on my heart to do for you. I don't know about you. You ever get to those places where you're thinking you're not alone? I mean, it was her and me, but we were not alone. And she held out her hand and put in my hand a crumpled up bill. And even now, I have that sense of being afraid to open my hand to see what was in there. And you know what was in there. $20 bill. Not 30, not 15. And I remember sitting there thinking, Lord, I am so sorry that I don't believe in you the way that I've been telling everybody and the way that I ought to, that I worry about things. But that was one of the first times that I guess in Scripture says, Jesus says, I will disclose myself to you. He helped me know and remember and realize that although he doesn't say anything when I'm talking to him, he hears me and I am talking to him. And he's aware of everything that's going on and I desperately need to trust him and read his word and obey his word and not question his word and not make excuses. Well, maybe that doesn't apply to me. When he says that part of his plan is that we all become like him, that's exactly what he intends. We all become like him. I almost feel like we need to pray and repent right now, but we're going to go ahead and just, just move ahead. I'm, I'm, we're going to look at this. Now, you've got the notes going fishing with Jesus, and inside of that is a, it says, spiritual survey, um, community survey, community spiritual survey. And you're looking at that, you're thinking, how in the world am I going to ask all 15 questions when I knock on the door? The answer to that is you're not. We're going to hear that witnessing is a process. Those are a lot of questions that you might just ask two of them, okay? Or three. In fact, you don't take them by order. You're going to read them and say, boy, I like that one. Because when I and you are witnessing, remember, it's the Holy Spirit working through you, right? The Holy Spirit working in you, working in them, and working around you. But those questions are basically what I call diagnostic questions. You know, when you go see a doctor and the doctor knocks on your knee and he does things and he checks in, have they ever poke in your stomach? I'm thinking, what are you doing? You always poke. Do you really know what you're, you know, and you, anyway, he's diagnosing you. You don't know what's in the heart of man, but God does. But there's certain, you ask somebody, where do you go to church? You're going to find out a lot of things. Just watch their face, Right? And, and so you just think of some questions, and I'm, I'm going to tell you something. The way you ask the question has as much to do with the question itself. If you're kind of serious or, you know, threatening looking, or if you're happy and joyful, you ask the question, they're, oh, okay. You know, the guy at the Chop Steakhouse uh, said after talking about the menu and what we wanted to order, said, you have any more questions? I said, yeah, I got one. He looked at me smiling. I said, do you know for sure if you used to die today that you'd go to heaven? He was like in semi-shock, you know, like wasn't asking for that question, you know, and thinking about it. But I had to kind of keep it in. So, you know, that's a good question. I just, I'm messing with you there. But you know what? That is something you ought to think about. So I was just dropping a little seed. And, and I just took it lovingly. And he was, he, we ended up having a great service. 
uh, of he was a waiter he, he really took care of us but we're able to ask some other questions and things and it just got the conversation opened up and sometimes the hardest part is kind of breaking the ice is just kind of just getting it going where you can casually talk about the things you really want to talk about but let me let me so this this we're not going to go over I gave this to you for you to take home and start looking at it we're going to look at that more next week now before we get into our notes tonight as well I want to show you one of the best illustrations that I have found in when you're trying to explain the gospel. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned each one to our own way. And the Lord has laid the iniquity of us all on him. Maybe you've seen this. Maybe you know this. But let's say if I'm talking to somebody and I'm at a point of trying to explain the scripture, I'm saying, sir, just let's say that this book right here is a record of everything you've done in your life. Every word you've said, every thought you've had, everything you should have done, everything you should not have done. God says there's books in heaven and you have to give an account of even the idle words you've spoken. Let's say this book is a record of everything. And let's say this hand represents you. And here's God in heaven. God loves you. But you see, you have a whole pile of sins, and God cannot let you into heaven with those sins. And, and the kind of good news, bad news is all of us like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us have a record of sin. And God who loves you, the Bible says, came down as his son, Jesus Christ. He was sinless. He had no record of sin. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. We've each turned to our own way and God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So God has already paid for your sins. He's already freed you from your sins. The question is, you, are you going to accept it? It's not a matter of has your sins been paid for. It's been paid for. But if the check is written out to your name, it does you no good until you sign it and cash it in at the bank. The check's been written. But when they nailed Jesus to the cross, those nails went through your sins into his hands. He was a full payment for everything you've done wrong. You know what Jesus did? He died for the sins of everybody in the world. The, the iniquity of us all was laid on him. And when he was buried, he buried our sins. He came back alive and now he reigns in heaven and waits for us. Does that make sense? And so you're trying to give the gospel in such a way that they understand the record of your, your sin is the issue. What Jesus did on the cross is the solution. And that little thing I threw in there is something I use a lot because I can say, you can believe all day long that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, but until you cash it in, it's not in your account. And that's by repentance and faith, and we can talk about that. Does that make sense? All we like sheep, Isaiah. And another thing there is the, in that same scripture, Isaiah, you ought to read it. It's wonderful. It'll say, like a lamb led to the slaughter. And here's John saying, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Just goes, parallels that. So just, just wanted to give you, I'll be throwing some of those things out there as we move along. Because those are the things that are helpful in explaining things. But in your notes... Follow me and I'll make you to become fishers of men. Just some important spiritual dynamics that we've talked about. You're looking for those who are listening, right? 
Take care how you're listening. That's who you're looking for. And the second one, you're trusting the Holy Spirit to work in you, through you, and around you. He's already convicting. And Jesus will say, if they're not listening to me, they're not going to be listening to you. So, and the third dynamic is we are seeking for people to believe in Jesus, not about Jesus. Too many evangelism trainings teach you how to get people to believe about these facts about Jesus. That makes sense? I, if I believe in golf, there ought to be a set of golf clubs in my trunk. If I believe in fishing, I ought to know about a fishing hole somewhere. If I believe in Jesus, it's more than just making a prayer. All right. And then the, the, the next thing is dynamic. We're here to make disciples, not just get decisions. One, pastors of churches that have done witness training that focus on just the about believing part will say, we've had 100 people pray to receive Christ, but I haven't seen one of them in church yet. They believe about, but not in. So now it's a process. Witnessing is a spiritually empowered process. Now we kind of talked about this last time. I just want to review the scriptures are on your notes, not so much up here. But you know, I like that scripture where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. I am reminded every time I go out, this is about Jesus working through me. It's a spiritual thing. And the scriptures I've written down to remind us there, Jesus is in that day, you'll know that I'm in the Father, you and me, and I in you. The, the witnessing is Jesus in you. You've got, in the same way I had to think about that $20 he was watching all the time, I have to remember, he is watching all the time. If nothing happens, I've gone home many times, I've tried to share and nothing happened. I said, well, Lord, you're watching. I was there ready with my fishing pole. You, you follow? All right, another scripture. I am with you always. The Great Commission, go make disciples. I am with you always. I'm trying to just really get that to you. The Helper, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things, bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. The Holy Spirit will teach you in the very hour what you ought to say. And, it's, and then, for it's not you who speak, but it's the Spirit of the Father who speaks in you. We looked at those this last session. Just to be reminded on the next page, the God of this world is blind of the minds. When you're going out there, you are dealing with more than just what those people are thinking. You are dealing with the act of Satan himself who is spiritually oppressing them. And I'm going to tell you something. If they want to listen to God, God will remove the blinders, okay? Whoever has, more shall be given. But if they have a casual attitude and an unrepentant attitude and a hard or shallow attitude, they're not going to get much from God. There's nothing you can do about it. So what I'm saying is from our standpoint, you have got to understand the importance of the Holy Spirit and what's going on. To open their eyes, the scripture says, so they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God. The Holy Spirit will convict the world. We talked about that. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, uh, but against rulers, powers, foral forces in this darkness. And so he who listens to you listens to me. So the first thing we need to be concerned about is Jesus working in us, through us, and around us. Second thing, which we get into tonight, you need to go fishing with Jesus. You need to work in the way the Holy Spirit works. Amen? You see what I'm saying? So part of learning the witness is not you learning a plan, is you first of all, what is his plan? What is the things that Jesus said that scopes out if you're gonna we went fishing with a fishing guide at, at percy priest and i wanted to get some crappie i was very unsuccessful on my own he had this thing called a scope we pulled right up to a bush he saw the bush in his scope and he saw the fish and he, we put the lure we watched the lure go down in the scope he watched the fish come up and look at it and go back down 
said, I don't like that fish. All of a sudden, another fish came from the, from the left field and came over and grabbed that hook and took off. He could see what was going on. The Holy Spirit can see what is going on. He knows the plan. So tonight, we're going to look at the thing. What is the plan? When you go out fishing with Jesus, what is his process? All right. So we will, you know, in John's gospel, chapter 1 and verse 13, the Bible talks about those who were born are born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Jesus said, unless the Father draws you, you cannot come to him. You remember that, that scripture? But now, how does he draw them? From what we understand, if a person has listening ears, the Holy Spirit's going to give them more. That's how the Lord draws. Some people think God draws those he chooses. Well, I'm not going to get into that. Because Jesus has already answered that question. God draws the ones who are listening. God draws the one who look at a little bit of light, he gives you a little bit more light. If he gives you a little bit of light and you don't look at that light, he takes away the light. Does that make sense? I've seen this happen over and over and over and over. So it's born of God. It is God's work. It's a spiritual work. So let's look at the fact that the witnessing is a spiritually strategic process. One of the things I've noticed as I've looked at scripture God himself is carefully planning. Sometimes it's preparation. Sometimes it's cultivation. Sometimes it's planting. Sometimes it's watering. Sometimes it's harvesting. And sometimes it's preserving. So keep in mind, sometimes we get caught up in this thing that our job is to, quote, do evangelism. No, sir. No, ma'am. Our job is to what? Make disciples. Evangelism is a part of that. It's the engaging part that brings them to repentance and faith, but it doesn't stop there. You're now following Jesus. I'm here to help you believe in Jesus. And if you're shallow, you're not going to go with me. If you're cluttered, you're not going to end up with much. But I'm looking for the good and honest hearts that are going to hold it fast and bear fruit and perseverance. And that's a part of witnessing is you're making disciples. So now let's think about this strategic process that you're going to find. Jesus in Luke 10 appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. What was he doing? Cultivation. You know, when we go fishing for uh, on deep sea uh, fishing, uh, sometimes you'll chum the water. I didn't know that. My dad knew that. And he'd cut up a bunch of guts and stuff. like. Oh, sorry about that. It's in church. Shouldn't have said guts. But he caught up a bunch of fish and blood and all that and dumped them in the water. And man, all of a sudden, the fish would start coming to our hooks. You know what else would show up too? Yeah, and I always like to see the shark, you know, because he would get us a good fight. But he scares off all the snapper too. But so you have this sense of there's a strategy involved. And when Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you to become fishers of men, he knew the fishermen understood it was a process. And, and witnessing the process. So you have that. And you have John the Baptist make way, you know, make straights the, the path of God, make ready the way of the Lord. What's he doing? He's getting things ready. So sometimes when you're going out, you're knocking on a door and you ask a question or whatever, you don't get much response. But guess what? You did what was supposed to be done. You prepared the way. You got them thinking. You know, there was one guy in Australia that all he did was walk up to people and said, hey, if you died, would you go to heaven? Think about it. And that's all he did. When he actually himself died and had a funeral, thousands of people came because they said, that man was instrumental in me coming to Christ. He asked me that simple question, and I couldn't get it off my mind. So see, part of what you do, he, we, we think we got to go out there and catch a fish. 
No, you got to go fishing. And part of this of your work is preparation, cultivation. And then Jesus, and, and John chapter 4 does an amazing job of teaching. If you're going to learn how to witness, go to the master fisherman. And Jesus would say there, he says, now, don't say there's four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, look up your eyes and look on the fields. They're white for harvest. What he's saying is there's a lot of reaping's already been done. There's a lot of spiritual work's already been done. Sometimes you're going to knock on a door like I did in Louisiana where that couple said, we're having a birthday party. Can you come next week? And when I came next week, they put two chairs in the, dine, in the kitchen and one facing it. And I was scared to death because I didn't know what to say. I didn't know it was going to be like that. And I can tell you, the very first time that I witnessed, I was about 14, 15 years. No, I was 16 because I just got my driver's license. And so my neighbor, Victor A. Argo, was about two or three years younger than me. We'd grown up playing for about three or four years. And, and I just got thinking about him, praying for him, and thinking, I'm going to witness to him. And I had a Rambler American. That was my first car. You know why? Because it was my grandmother's car, and I wrecked it, and so she sold it to me. That's the truth. 1969, Rambler American. I, I remember I pulled the fender off that thing when Alabama was playing Auburn. And that was at 1716 when Auburn did that twice, you know, kicked the, goal, the ball. Yeah. And I remember when I got so mad, I yanked that fender completely off. I just couldn't get it off, but I did then. But anyway, I got him in the car and we had what's called the, the big, uh, the block. It was basically this huge block in the neighborhood. And I drove him around that block about four times trying to get the courage to witness to him. Didn't know what to say, had no training at all. And that's the reason I guarantee you, if you just put yourself in the position, the Holy Spirit's going to work things out. You might be awkward, but the Lord will bless your efforts for him. Amen? And I remember finally I pulled off the road under this great big oak tree and he looked at me and said, what's going on? I said, Victor Ray, I need to ask you something. Are you, are you ready to meet God? That, that might not be the exact words, but it was about as plain as that is. He started crying on the front seat, that bench blue seat of that Rambler American, that vinyl blue seat. He started crying. He said, no, but I need to, you know, get saved. And I, and I, I said, well, he said, how you do it? I said, well, you just pray to Jesus and tell him you're sorry for your sins and you believe he died for you on the cross. And, and he said he'll save you. He did that. One of the blessings of my life was when I, you know, I went and was minister of music about a year later, lost touch, touch of what was going on and came back and found out he'd become a preacher and had actually gotten one of these uh, tractor trailer, you know, flat top, uh, whatever you call it, flatbed. There you go. And he was actually had a set of speakers, would pull off somewhere and put the speakers up and he'd preach. And I think, Holy smokes, God, you really did a number on that, didn't you? And I began to realize even from the beginning, it's really not about me. It's not. It's me just simply knowing, and Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. There's people out there who are ready. And they, they're, they're very few and far between today, I can tell you that. But I tell you too, once you catch a big fish, you're always going to go back and find his brother. Right? And, and so that has always been an experience that has gone with me when I get discouraged and things are not working out the way I'm thinking, the way I would like for them to work out. I have to remind myself, Jesus says the harvest is plentiful and I need to go. Sometimes it's a harvesting experience.
But he said, but Jesus then goes on, he says, already he who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for life eternal, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I've sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored. You have entered into their labor. And I love that. I love that. I love that. Because what it's saying is when you go out witnessing, you can very well be entering into the work of others. Kind of reminds me of the guy that I've been trying to witness to in Texas for a while. And, and then when he came up and finally made his decision public, I was standing, one of the staff at the front of the church, and he came to me and he said, that song y'all sang hit me below the belt. And I was like, what? He said, that was the song they sang at my grandmother's funeral. And when she was dying, she made me promise that I'd give my heart to, to Jesus. And, you know, you're entering into the work of others. Can you imagine Jesus looking down and people saying, God, I just don't think I can do this? He says, if you just wet a line and see what I'm going to do with it. You might not see a decision, but there's no way you, can I, you or I can know how God's going to use our efforts, right? So, um, you know, there's reaping and there's, there's, there's sowing. You've entered into their labor. And you know, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered. But what's happening? God gives the growth. That's why you go out, Lord, it's up to you. I'm just going to love people and try to look for an opportunity to say something. You know, and then there's preserving. Barnabas means son of encouragement. That's what his real name, I think, was Joseph. And they call him Barnabas because it means son of encouragement. His work, his specialty in the making disciple process, he loved to encourage people. And there you find him going with Paul and he's strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. You see, disciple making is not just getting somebody connected to Jesus, it's helping them continue walking with Jesus. And it takes a church. It takes all of us. When I moved here in 1990, I didn't have a church yet. I didn't have a house yet. But I went to Walden Road off of I-24, and there's a, a subdivision that had just been built around that time. It went door to door. Before long, I had over 50 people that did not know Jesus that I had a relationship with that I was talking to. 50 people over a period of about three months because I didn't have a job. I was doing that pretty much every day. But you know one of the first things I began to realize? God never meant for me to do that by myself because there were so many needs that a church should have been there to help take care of those needs. You see, when you really get serious about going out, it's not just those who are going out that are going to get involved. It's those back at the home base where the, circle, the, the wagons have circled. And you're going to say, man, here's somebody having a hard time. She just got a divorce and she's trying to make, some, you know, make her way. Or here's somebody else that's going to the hospital. There's no pastor to visit them and they're having cancer surgery. Um, you know, and, and there's stories that have come out of that event where my next door neighbor here in Smyrna where I live, and they, that was the sister of one of the ladies out there that I was able to witness to. And now her daughter is a strong Christian and is always liking my little comments on Facebook. I'm, I'm just seeing that little kid that showed up in the door. Now she's a grown woman. And it's what's neat is knowing that you are making a spiritual impact in others that you have no way of knowing how that's going to 
feather out. You don't have any way of knowing that. But it's a process. You know what? That blesses me. Because when I go out, I don't have to come back with somebody under my belt. Well, I got a decision tonight. You know what I mean? I'm not going for decisions. I'm going for the process. I want some deep-rooted people in Jesus. And, and however I end up in you, and so there's a strategy. However you and I end up being used by God, that's what we want to do. So witnessing, could you got that part? It's strategic, just like fishing. Strategic process. Now we're going to look at the next one. Witnessing is a spiritually motivated process. Remember Jesus looking at Peter and said, do you love me? Do you agape me, love me sacrificially? And Jesus, Peter had to be honest. I don't love you like that. I love you phileo, brotherly like. And you, don't you feel weak sometimes spiritually? I do. Any of y'all ever feel puny? You know, there's some good days, right? But there's some bad days where you say, no, I don't need to be involved in this because I'm not good enough. You know what? It's not about you. It's one beggar telling another beggar where you found bread. You know the one qualifying requirement for a person to serve Jesus is someone who loves Jesus. Period. Period. Because if just a cup of water he puts in your hand, just a cup of water is all he demands. And, and so this next part, witnessing is a spiritually motivated process Paul in 2 Corinthians and chapter 5, it's one of the most beautiful portions of scripture where he is, is talking about, really, he's talking about his personal love for the Lord. And he relates that to why he is so passionate about helping other people know about Jesus Christ. He says in, in, verse, in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 9, Therefore also we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, that is either alive or dead, to be pleasing to him. He says, if there's anything I want to do, I want to put a smile on the face of Jesus. Amen. One of the biggest reasons you witness is because you're able to put a smile on his face. You're doing the most important thing anybody could do for somebody that gave his life for you. If somebody, if you gave your life for somebody else, wouldn't you love to hear that person talk about how much that meant to you, to them? And it, our ambition is to please the Lord. That's what I'm living for. That's what he's saying. He says, for we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he's done, whether good or bad. He says, another reason for the ambition is we got to show up <laughs> for the judgment day. I better be serious about what he said. When that lady put that $20 bill in my hand, I had to be doubly serious about what I heard God say after that. Now, I already was kind of, sort of, but that sure changed the needle a little bit. You know what I mean? And, and so our ambition, in verse 14, he's saying the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all that they should live no longer live for themselves but for him who died and rose again on their behalf witnessing is you loving jesus and saying i want to do the best thing that'll make you happy this guy that i was uh, i was able to help him come to christ in texas a pharmaceutical rep took me out to eat and he said i want to know how i can thank god I i'm trying to real find that i just this has meant so much to me how can i tell god 
how much I appreciate what he's done for me. I looked him in the eyes and I said, you know, the best thing you can do to the father is talk about his son and what his son did for you and can do for others. You see, the whole thing about God, he just wants you to love him. And if you keep my word, you love me. He will say over and over, if you love me, you're going to hang out with me. If you love me. And so witnessing is you saying, Lord, I know this is too difficult. I can't do it. But you know what? I can smile and love people and ask a few questions and see. I can put my line. I can wet my line and see what happens to it. Isn't it fun catching the fish? Sometimes you put your line in there. All of a sudden the thing goes down. and You know, you say, whoa, this is cool. But you don't just do it because it's the thing to do. For you to do it in such a way that God's really with you and blessing you, you do it because you love them. Because you love them. And, and Paul goes on and he says, you know, all verse 18, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That was that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I remember when I read that, it's like God was saying, and, and Paul was saying, God has put in my hands this ministry of reconciliation. Everything God wants to happen in this world to help other people come to him, he's put it in my hands. What am I going to do with it? How many times has Jesus been in churches saying, how long will it take before you go out and tell other people about me? You see, this is one reason, Brother Pastor, I'm so convinced that churches today have fallen short by not having ministers of evangelism in the church because this is something that's hard to do. And you have to keep stoking the fire. And you have to keep pointing the arrow. It's the hardest thing to do. If you want to have a choir practice or, or a lot of things you do, everybody shows up, right? And I'm not saying choir practice is bad. Don't, don't, don't throw tomatoes or nothing. But what I'm saying is, witnessing is really one of the most significant things you can do to show your love for God, right? And we ought to come together and say, Lord, how can we have you committed to us this ministry of reconciliation? And Paul would say, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's my role in the world. Jesus said, you're the light. You're the salt. As God's representative in front of you, I'm trying to encourage you in the ways of God's word that you would put it in your heart, soak on it like a tree planted by the streams of water, and let that water of the Holy Spirit begin to fill you up, and you begin to do and plant. And you can't do it by yourself, but I tell you what, among two, two is stronger than one. A cord of three is not easily broken. That's why you need to man up and woman up together and say, you know what, we need to help each other do this. We need to do this. I looked at it kind of like tithing. You know, you tithe your money. Why not tithe your time? Why not give an hour and a half on a Sunday afternoon and say, that is my time to give to God to be a light in the community. Why not do that? And say, checking that one off. <laughs> you know, we used to do the thing, you check Bible reading daily and prayer daily and tithe. We ought to put on there witnessing. Well, don't put that one. That's a hard one. You know, we can't be 100% if you do that. All right, back to the ranch. Um, so it's a motivated process. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him. We will come to him and make our abode with him. I cannot tell you the times that I've experienced Jesus watching him change people's lives. 
He's, he's given you a special intimacy of his presence when we realistically and genuinely say, I want to do his word. Um, so, and, and here, here's one of the things that, uh, Brother Pastor, I, I've thought about. Because, you know, when Jesus sent the 12 out, he gave them special power of healing. And that's wonderful. Not everybody has that. Very fewer of Christians have that. But at, when he's talking about the second coming and all of that, he ends up with this statement. He says, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked. I was in prison. I was sick. And, and so what I'm thinking is that's the combination. When you're going out, think of who's hungry and sick and naked and in prison. And think about going and loving them and saying, by the way, do you know for sure you're going to go to heaven when you die? Isn't love the motivation? See, it's not just love for God, it's love for people. Isn't that the second, the second highest commandment? And so one of the joys is taking care of people's needs hand in hand with an intentional gospel presentation. Does that make sense? That motivates you even more to go out, doesn't it? We're going to go out and do this. We'll have a good time helping people, but then we're going to intentionally make sure to ask some questions. All right. So I just, just keep that in mind. What is the Holy Spirit saying? So it's a wit, it is a uh, motivating, uh, uh, spiritually motivated process. And I, I like this one here. He who has my commandments and keeps them, the one who loves me, he who loves me, will be loved by my Father, I will love him and will disclose myself to him. So he's saying he's going to do that. Now, there's hardly any greater thrill in your heart than experiencing Jesus disclosing himself to you. Got one more to look at. And witnessing, all right, we've talked about so far, it's an empowered process. The Holy Spirit has to be involved. It's a strategic process. There's preparation, cultivation, planting, watering, harvesting, preserving. And it's a learning process. Isn't fishing a learning process? First time I, I started, it, it, it was so awkward. After a while, leave me alone. I'll put the shrimp on the hook myself. I'm going for that red snapper, you know, and I'm just kind of playing with you. But it's a learning process. The Holy Spirit is there to teach you and to help you. Um, the Bible says the helper of the Holy Spirit will, will teach you. Some will be searching. And here, here's the Gospel of John. And all through the Bible, it gives you helpful things. Nicodemus was a spiritual man already, right? He came looking for answers. Nicodemus needs to, in your mind, think about the people that come to this church as visitors. Some people are looking for another church home, but some people come in here because they have something inside of them that they don't understand, and they're coming to visit. And one of the things we did in the church in Texas where I was at, where we had visitation, and about an average of 125 people going out on Monday, Anybody that was a first-time visitor had a team going to see them specifically trained to be able to get to the questions, do you know for sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die? Because they were already coming. They already had a spiritual interest in being there. Do you know we had about one out of 20 people that came thinking they were going to join by letter, join by baptism? You know why? 
because nobody had really talked to them about the gospel. They were, you know, quote, saved way back there, but never really understood it right. Or, or as a child, they needed to have the, a better understanding of that. Sometimes it was a baptism where now I know why I'm saved. But what I'm saying is you got Nicodemus coming. He's a spiritual man. But yet Jesus says you must be born again. And so the thing about witnessing, sometimes it's the people God's already sending here, right? And then you have, uh, it's a learning process. Sometimes it's going to be the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. Was she going to the well because she says, I'm going to have church today? Mm-mm. She was going because she was an outcast. She was broken. And she was just going because she was hurting. And she had some spiritual knowledge. She knew about some things, but that's not what she was looking for. But she had a tenderness in her heart that when Jesus started to ask her some questions about water that's going to really satisfy her, she knew she was dry. And the Holy Spirit began to work. And she trusted in Christ, found him as a Messiah that day. And so you have, it's a learning process to kind of figure out what's, what's going on. And here's one of the things I noticed. There's different levels. I call them levels of receptivity. And I have to keep this in mind. I've watched them. Some of them are non-responsive and responsive. In fact, some of them are just totally negative. Ah, what are you doing? Bam, you know, and uh, close the door. And that's a few. That's all right. Jesus said they didn't close the door on you. They, they closed the door on me. But that's very few, very few. Non-responsive, well, when you knock on somebody's door, they get a lot of people knocking on their doors. Do people knock on your doors? So we have to do the best we can not to look like them. And, and we'll, we'll talk about that. You know, you, you need to be like a neighbor. In fact, one of the best places to go is in your neighborhood. Hey, I'm your neighbor, and we're just trying to do a spiritual survey to see what the attitudes are. What do you think the spiritual needs in America are right now? What's one of the greatest spiritual needs? You know, oh, boy, we got division, don't we? Well, we need unity then. Yeah, we need to pray for that. Well, second question, what about the spiritual needs of your family? Uh, what do you think families need today? Well, they need to get off those Game Boys and all those video games and get that out of your face, and they need to go outside and play in the swings or something. You know, I mean, it's just a conversation where you just kind of try to tie in to where they are, and, and you've seen, if you look at the spiritual survey, it's got some of those questions geared in there to do that because one of the first things you want to do is turn them from non-responsive to responsive, right? And, and let me tell you something. When I'm out visiting, I'm not a Kirby vacuum cleaner salesman. I did sell those things one time. And their whole thing was do everything you can to get inside their house and put dirt in their floor. You know, it's like, this is really uncomfortable. And that's not what this is about. In fact, one of the reasons I like door-to-door -door in a neighborhood is because you can just stop by and say, hey, how you doing? Just want to let you know we're doing a spiritual survey. Is this a good time for you? No. Okay, well, that's fine. Look, I'll see you down the road sometime. Maybe it'll be good. But hey, by the way, how long you all lived here? Really? Well, we moved here back and so on. You know, you see how that goes? But here's the thing. Anytime I knock on somebody's door, my number one thing is I want to make friends with them. And, and, I want to make sure I leave with them thinking I wouldn't mind seeing him again. Follow what I'm saying? 
And so this is not a bit about you trying to get your foot in the door. It's you really building relationships. It's really you getting to know your neighbors with a special assignment whenever God opens that, that door. It's like Charles I told you about the other day. He didn't want to talk about God. But when he realized I was just going to be his friend, he began to share things. And the re another reason I like about door-to-door, -door because once I identify about five people, it might be in a two-block area, but I'm going that way. And sometimes I intentionally skip a house because I don't think he's ready to see me after one week. I wait for two weeks or three weeks. And then when I show back up, it's, oh, hey, I thought she's going to be beating my door down. No, I'm not going to do that. So you have to think about their antennas. You know, is their antenna up just a little bit? We'll just give them a little bit. All right. There's a scripture that goes with that too. We'll, we'll look at that you know, maybe here in a minute. And then there are those that are interested. In other words, really, where are you from? Well, we're, we've talked about going to church somewhere. You know, you ever hear somebody say that? But they're not concerned. <laughs> they might even tell you, well, we might go to your church next Sunday. They're not concerned at all. They're just saying that because they know it's going to make me feel better. That's all right. I'm not here to push them. I'm here, first of all, to identify where they are, to love them, and, and, and to be a friend. And then there are those that are concerned. I knocked on one door, and the lady said, you know what? I'm glad you stopped by. I've been watching Billy Graham for the last two or three months, and when it comes on, and there's some things on there I've been listening to. Well, that let me know they're at a different level. You see what I'm saying? Somebody says you, you, you pet the dog as long as his tail's wagging. If he starts to growl, you need to back off. All right, so you got those. But then it, it's even another level of, of receptivity. I've seen some that are convicted, but they're not really to be converted. They're convicted about their sin, but they don't want to do anything about it. I don't know why they call me preacher. I mean, before I was a preacher, they called me preacher if I knocked on their door. You know, well, preacher? So I'm not a preacher. I'm music director. Whatever. You know, but, but they, they'd say that, and I know all these things ought to be doing this and doing that, but you know what? I'm I just not ready to do it. Well, they've got to make that decision. It's not my job. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict them. It's my job to love them. Jesus said, I want you to be my witnesses. You just go out there and share the love that I've shown you. And, and so, you know, now, if the time comes, I'm going to tell them the truth. Lovingly speak the truth with love. So you're not avoiding that at all. But here's the scripture I was going to tell you about. The Bible says, I think it's Colossians 4.4 4 or Corinthians 4.4, 4, something 4.4. 4. I didn't look it up ahead of time. I can go back and look for it. I like my phone. You know, you go in there, it says, Scripture, let your speech be seasoned as it were with salt. What will show up? In fact, I can do it right now if you want me to or y'all can do it. But here's the scripture. It says, conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders. So it's talking about the people that are outside the church. Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders. And it says, let your speech be seasoned, as it were, with wisdom or, or with salt. And, 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 and with grace and with salt. See, I'm messing that scripture. I really ought to have looked that one up and stuck it up there. But I'm giving you the Shelby. All right. Colossians 4. You got it right there? You're going to read it for me? That, give it to the husband. Read it good and loud. Stand up and read it good and loud for us.
seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Thank you. Now here's the picture of that. Any of y'all like salt on your food? What happens if you put too much? Don't want it. You ever gone to the hospital where they don't put any salt on it? It's bland. So what the Bible is saying when you're talking to folks, have just enough salt where they want some more. If you stay too long, you don't put too much salt on that piece of bread. You follow what I'm saying? So it's, it's a learning process and you just have to kind of learn that. I'd rather leave with them wanting more than them saying, oh, I'm glad they're gone. And then see me come in and close the door and not answer when I ring the doorbell. So, we, we, you know, it's, it's a learning process in that, and we've already learned this, their hearts will listen differently, the hardened, the shallow, the cluttered, and then, of course, the ones that are good, honest, hold fast, and persevere. They're hard to find, but they're there. And so Jesus says, follow me, I'll make you to become fishers of men. Um, does this make sense? You know, and, and, and so what, what do we talk about tonight? We talked about the fact that, folks, this is really about the Holy Spirit doing his work, right? In you, through you, and already around you. So don't feel like you're going into this empty-handed. You're just a piece of the pie. And it's a process because you've got some that are sowing, some that are reaping, some that are planting, and some that are watering and all of that. All right, it's that. And it's a motivated. That's probably the most important. You want God to work through you? Build up your love. We're, we're kind of selfish people, aren't we? You know, we are. I mean, it's, it's it, we just, when you're hurting, it's about me. You know, when you retire, it's now I finally get to do what I want to do. If the grandkids don't have something for me to do that day. And, and so you just have to think about love. You just got to think about, Lord, my, I want my ambition to be to please you. Amen. I want my ambition. And, and you want his word to be your guide. And it's a learning process, like anything else. You're going to feel awkward when you start, but after you get going into it and doing it, you're going to see what I've seen so many people say, this is one of the best things I've ever done in my life. You know, and, and you're going to experience some things that you'll say, I got my story. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for your love. I thank you for the opportunity of just being a spokesperson just simply of what I've seen you do, what I've seen you teach. And Lord, I pray for those that are here that, Lord, they keep showing up, and that's good. I'm so glad. And Lord, as we just think about going out, help us to think about two Sundays from now, where would be a, a patch of community somewhere that we can just kind of get to know those people? And who am I, who am I gonna go with? Lord, to just look at those questions on the spiritual survey and think about some and, and then let you lead whatever that afternoon, that first afternoon on Sunday and the next one. And that Lord, you just give us your grace that, Lord, we'd say the love of Christ controls us and our ambition is to please you. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said, amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quick word, and I'll let you go. Um, when we start this...
I've been out, with, I mean, as you can imagine, we've been, you know, in ministry for 25, 30, 25 years. Um, invariably, you will come across somebody that uh, maybe is not hostile to Christianity, but has questions, and if, and if they kind of sense, and I'm not trying to scare you, I'm trying to encourage you with something. If they have a sense that you're, like, not really well-versed in the Bible or don't know your Christianity real well, they may try to ask you questions on purpose that are hard to kind of, like, try to trip you up or whatever. Well, we've got a solution for that. Um, we will have your staff, we will have our phones in our pockets, and if you get a question that's too tough that you can't answer, uh, all you got to do is say, would you excuse me just one second and step away and call me or call Colton or Ryan. We'll have, we'll have several, we'll have some teachers, some other teachers with phone numbers, and you can call and ask us that question right quick. Now, if when you do that, they'll say, well, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, but at least you've got that one, that one call, your lifeline that's in the arsenal, okay, if, if, if that happens. Uh, one more other thing I need to tell you, I forgot to tell you earlier, um, and I need, you, I need you to kind of prepare yourself for this, okay? Are you prepared? You sure? Y'all look terrified now. I'm trying to build it up to make you listen. That's what, that's what we do as preachers. Um, as you know, the building is coming along great. Have y'all been back there and looked at it? Okay. I mean, it looks fantastic. Uh, they, are, they were ahead of schedule. I don't know if the rain recently has knocked them off schedule or not. I don't know. I haven't talked to our project manager. But when they begin to remodel the back, uh, we have kind of made a decision that we're, we're not going to be able, after talking to them thoroughly, about everything they're going to be doing to those rooms back there. It's really not going to be safe, we don't think, to try to, to let them come work on those rooms and then, and then clean them all up for us to then use them. Uh, they might miss something, plus it's going to take them extra time to do all that, and we want them to get finished as quickly as possible. So what we're going to do is whenever they start, we're going to close that part of the church off. So every Sunday and Wednesday night, guess where we're going to be? All packed into. In here. Right. So... Sunday school, on Sunday school mornings, 9 o'clock in the morning, all the adults will be in one big Sunday school in the sanctuary. The side rooms will be used for children and for nursery and things of that nature. Wednesday night will be the exact same way. Wednesday nights, the children and everybody will use the side rooms, and we will be out here in the sanctuary. So I need you to prepare for that. Um, if you've got concerns, complaints, just, just come talk to me, come talk to the staff. We just don't see any other way uh, of, of doing it in a safe, efficient manner. manner. Uh, we, it should be about two months, about eight weeks is what we think it will take for them to get all that done, and that's, that's not a long time. It'll go really fast, okay? Any other questions or comments before, before we dismiss? Anything at all? Everybody okay? Y'all glad to be back at it? Did you enjoy the break? I heard no. I heard grumbling. I heard, okay. So the, most people nodded their head yes. Okay. No. <laughs> well, the purpose of that, again, was we have a lot of volunteers that, that work their rear ends off uh, for us at this church. And so, plus school season coming up close, and a lot of people had a lot of errands to run, a lot of busyness. A lot of people also run off that last week for vacations and stuff like that. And we have just learned through the years that those last two weeks coming into the new school season, everybody mentally is kind of checked out and trying to get ready for the new school year. And so we've given everybody a couple weeks off just for that. It's just two Wednesday nights out of the year. So, all right, would everybody stand up? I'll pray and we'll be dismissed. And come back Sunday, amen? The fig tree, the parable of the fig tree. So be ready. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for Brother Smith. And 
the great encouragement that he's been to me. I know he's been a great encouragement to everybody that's come. Uh, I'm excited about getting into this community. Uh, Lord, I pray uh, that those within our flock that have been really eager to get out into the community, Lord, will be serious about this. And if we will all be serious about this, I think the timing of this with our new building uh, going to be near completion in just a few months. I think that this will be the catalyst for us to, to start off 2024 with some, with some conversion, with some new disciples, and just see things really pick up the pace around here. And that's what we're, we're trusting you, Lord, to lead us into it. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you're dismissed.